I'm Arthur. And I'm Susan. This is the Parent Talk Podcast. Managing the challenges of daily parenting. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, the nation's most trusted source of organic and healthy sleep products for your children. You can visit them at naturepedic.com. That's naturepedic.com. Welcome to our second Parent Talk podcast on Potty Mastery. And we're really excited about this round because we're going to get into the actual how-to. By the end of this session, anyone listening will have a very crisp idea of what you do step-by-step to help your child achieve what we often call toilet training, but we like to call toilet mastery. So to get us going, I'm just going to review, we're going to review a couple points. One is that we see this whole toilet issue really as a key developmental step. And it's a learning issue, and it's a turning over of responsibility from the parent to the child with the child agreeing to take over that responsibility. So we think that success in mastering this skill builds confidence and self-esteem and translates into success in all sorts of different parts of a child's life. And we also talk about how conflict is part and parcel of how a child's brain is built. And in this case, it's no different than that because we're asking the child to give up the comfort of a parent taking care of a messy thing and taking on this job on their own. So there's some loss involved and this results in resistance and a tug of war between a child wanting to be a big kid and wanting to remain a baby. I just want to add that a lot of parents will think, well, why does there have to be conflict? And it really is inevitable because it's a good thing. We shouldn't be trying to avoid that. There's a process that children go through called individuation and separation, where they become their own person, separate from their mom or their dad or their primary caregiver. This is a process that takes tearing apart in a sense. So a little bit of conflict is absolutely inevitable. And for some children, depending depending on personalities, that conflict can seem pretty intense. I had to get that out there, Arthur, because I didn't want parents to think, oh, I'm not doing it right because my child is resisting. So start out by getting a small potty that goes on the floor. I'm really a fan of those. I think children feel more secure when their feet are firmly on the floor. Now, if you're starting with a much older child, you might be able to go right to the big toilet with a little inner circle ring to make the hole a little bit smaller. But I think twos and even up to three, they really feel more comfortable sitting on the floor. You can Mm -hmm. go on Amazon or any of your stores and get these thick underpants. This just sort of helps hold that pee and poop in so it doesn't get all over your floors at the beginning, because this is the one thing that parents have to know. This is a process, which means that there are going to be poopy pants and there are going to be some puddles. You can begin even before you start the process with the child or introduce the process to the child is to talk about it in a natural, sort of neutral way. When you're changing the child's diaper you're and you might take the poop that's in a diaper and put it in the toilet or put it in the small potty and say, soon you're going to be putting all your pee and poop in the potty, just like I'm doing now. And you will be the boss of your body. Children love to be the boss. And remember, children's receptive speech, that means what they understand is greater than their expressive. So even a semi-verbal two and a half year old is going to understand the idea of being the boss. They're going to love that. 
give your child names, use consistent names for pee and poop. We're going to call it pee and poop. You can call it whatever you like, but just make sure that if your mother-in-law calls your son's penis his little wee-wee, don't call the urine wee-wee. Give it a different name. I know that sounds silly, but these are things that can really hang a child up for a bit. And remember, on that first day when you're introducing the pants, some children are going to say, yes, mommy and daddy, I want to put my underpants on. And they're going to go for it in a minute. Other children are much more reluctant. It's like they get it. They say, uh-uh, not giving up the diapers. <laughs> I, I'm not ready for this yet. And we talked about that in detail in the fir- in that first podcast, just patience and time and just waiting your child out until they're ready to put their pants on and put the underpants on and start their day. That's a great review of, of, again, some very specific things we talked about last podcast. So now we're in great shape to launch into this. I always tell parents, try to choose a weekend where you're not running older kids to soccer games or, you know, you have doctor's appointments or things like that. Set your bathroom up with some flushable wipes, stacks of the underwear. And I always tell parents to think about the clothing that their child is going to wear. Cute little clasps and belts and suspenders. We have to ditch those during the potty training process because it makes it too difficult for the child to be in charge of their own body and their clothing. You want to get clothing that the child can manipulate very easily themselves. So I always say in winter, maybe some sweatpants that can go up and down easily or shorts or little skirts. Anything that makes it easier for the child to dress and undress themselves. In fact, that's something you can do before you even start the process. Start to change your child standing up so that they get this idea of not being laid down like an infant. And also have them begin to help you take their pants down, pull their pants up. If you want to let your child just walk around in underwear, no problem whatsoever. Some parents swear by just letting the child go naked from the waist down, and that might be successful. But I always say there's a caveat there. Because first of all, you want the child to understand about privacy and not, you know, people coming into your house and they're running around nude. But also, eventually, they're going to have to figure out how to keep underwear and clothing clean and dry. So, I mean, if that's how you want to get started, it's fine. But think about how quickly you want to move into wearing actual clothing. That setup is so crucial, I think. I I really love how you put it, Susan, because, you know, we, we tend to think that the toilet is the main thing in toilet mastery or toilet training. But there's another phrase that I think is the heart and soul of the whole story, and that is cleanup. So what we're really going to be talking about is how your child's going to take over the cleanup. Because every time I ask a child who's in the middle of toilet training, who's resisting it, who should clean up their poop and pee, mom and dad or themselves? And without exception over the years, they always say mom and dad. Of course. That's what this is about. It's not about, you know, them learning how to use a toilet. It's about them agreeing to do the cleanup. So that's where I spend most of the time here really talking about how you get them to think about, you know, clean up and take it over and manage it. And parents will say, but I don't get that. Why is that? Because it's a consequence. It is not a punishment. It is a consequence. Let, let's say that your child dumps a bunch of toys, little blocks or something in, in your den. You would, your expectation is that your child is going to at least help you clean up those blocks. And if you're not having that expectation of your child at this point, that's another thing to start even before you start the potty mastery process is to involve your child and let them know when they make a mess, 
they have to clean up. And that means even if they have an accidental spill of their milk, give them that paper towel, give them that little encouragement. You know, you can clean it up. Oh, that's a good feeling. Made a mess, but I cleaned it up myself. That's what this is all about. And, you know, when you say that, it just inspires me. I, I think on a very broad level, if each of us cleaned up our own mess, what a better world it would be. We're going to start on a smaller scale though, with these children, <laughs> just have them wipe up their pee and poop. Okay. And parents are going to go, yuck, it's going to be yucky. And I'm going to say to them, yeah, it is a little yucky, but it's okay that it's a little yucky because that's what the whole idea is. This is, you're wearing underpants now. It's your choice. You're the boss of your body. If you choose to put in a potty, well, nice and clean and dry underwear, and you can go right back and play up. Oh, but if your pants get wet or poopy, then you've got a big job to do. So how does this look realistically? Let's take it from the point where you see that your child has a poop or you smell the poop or you see that his pants or her pants are wet. You're going to say to the child, I see that your pants are wet or poopy. Now we have a job to do and guide them to the bathroom. Some children will tell you right away that they've gone. Other children seem to just sit in it. And it really, you know, it doesn't make much difference. The minute you notice it, help your child to the bathroom. If your child is resistant, it may take some time to get them to actually stop their play and to go with you. But let me tell you, the very hardest thing that parents have to face during this whole mastery process, Arthur, is being neutral because they could have been sitting on the toilet 10 minutes before and then they get up and they pee in their pants. It's hard to keep your cool at something like that. But I always tell parents, get a little mantra. Oh, I see your pants are wet. Now you have to clean up. It's your job because you are the boss of your body and guide your child to the bathroom. The first few times you're showing the child that it's their job to clean up, I assure you, you're going to be looked at like, are you nuts, mom? (laughs) I mean, it's been your job or, you know, it's been the parent's job for the last two or three years. They're going to say, I don't think so. So (laughs) don't be put off by that. Just say, yes, I know. But now we're big girl pants or big boy pants. And it's your job. That really captures in my mind the sense that both the child and the parent, we don't usually think of this way. But a child, uh, let's say a two-year-old and a parent are in the same boat. Neither can really believe that this change is happening. The parent can't possibly believe the child is capable of this. And the child can't possibly believe that the parent is asking him to make such a, such a big change. But we're the grownups and we know that children can do this. And we're here to tell you we've seen children do this a million times. So Susan, you and I will never be surprised when a child is extremely successful at this. And we're here to say to parents, you can be fully confident that your child can do it, which means that you will believe they can do it. Absolutely. And and let me tell you something. That's actually key. What, what you, everything you said was really important. But that last statement, the fact is, is that if you actually give that impression or those ideas to the child that you know as the mom or the dad, as the parent, that your child can do this. What an empowering thing. You are not a baby anymore. You are the boss of your body. You can take care of what comes out of you. That's what I like parents to hear because they feel like it's too cruel, like it's asking too much. But in this, but really what it's doing is setting a very age-appropriate expectation and helping the child achieve it. I think there's a lot of things parents like to do. They think is sort of nifty but get in the way of this essential moment when you're really giving that child the sense they can do it. 
yes. So back in the bathroom, <laughs> the parents actually have to help, help their child understand how to get those underpants off. And they're standing up. So, you know, you take their little hands and you move it down their body and it's going to be sort of wet and yucky and that's okay. And the child might go, I don't like it. Or they really are resisting. You can say, yeah, it's not so comfortable. Next time you can make a different choice and put your pee in the potty and then your pants will stay clean and dry. You have to get these little mantras sort of like really in your head so that you don't end up by saying, I just asked you five minutes ago to go and she said no. <laughs> because that's what you want to say. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's what you want to say. And then you've got your flushable wipes. Certainly, depending on the age of the child, a two-year-old, they're going to need their parents to help them wipe their poopy bottoms. I mean, there's no question. Let the child have a few swipes, you know, show them how to, especially with girls, you know, wiping front to back. But the idea is that the child has to be a partner in this, have them throw the wipes away, get their clean underpants, and then they go off. Remember, there isn't a punishment. This is not a punishment. This is a consequence. And so your words have to be supportive. You have to show them that you're on their side. Basically, you're saying, I know this is hard for you. I know it's a big change, but I know you can do it. But doesn't everyone like to be told, wow, I have faith in you. I can do it. Yeah, I felt good when you were saying that. It's fabulous. Now, parents will also say to me things like, well, shouldn't I be taking my child to the potty and putting them on like every 30 minutes or every 60 minutes or something like that? Mm-hmm. And the minute that you do that, then I always ask the parent, well, then whose job is it to get to the toilet? Is it your job or is it your child's? And of course, mm-hmm. the answer is it's the parent's job. But that doesn't mean that you can't suggest it. We call it the pre-PP dance or the child who's going behind the, one of my children, I can't remember who always went behind my big ficus tree to have a poop in their pants. <laughs> you know, and I always knew when that was going to happen. And I would say, hmm, it looks like your body is telling you that a poop is coming. Let's go to the toilet. Now, this is the hardest thing. You can certainly suggest a few times, four times a day. If you're doing it every 15 minutes, then it does become your job. And if the child turns to you and says, no, I don't have to go, then you have to take the deepest breath you can imagine, you know, bite your lip and say, well, you know where the potty is. I can go with you if you need help, but you are the boss of your body. It's your choice where you're going to put your poop. But remember, you'll have a big job to do or something to that effect to tell the child it's still their choice. And this is the hardest part because you know that they have to go. They're squiggly. They're squirming. They're looking like they're going to poop or pee. And then they refuse to go. And then, of course, they, they do it in their pants. I'm not going to call it an accident, Arthur. Because it is not an accident. I mean, there are occasionally children, they're not near a toilet and they have a true accident. These are challenges for the child. Should I or shouldn't I? Should I be a big kid or a baby? You know, before we, as parents, think what's wrong with our kids, they can't figure this out. Let's just keep in mind that in our own life, whatever our challenges are, we struggle with them too. We're always struggling with challenges. That's just how we're built as humans. It's a beautiful thing actually to learn. And so there's nothing mysterious about a child struggling with this. That that's a, Any new skill requires some sort of learning. And this is what learning looks like. You try it, it doesn't work. You try it again, it does work. And you learn from it and you move forward. So I like the fact that it's not an accident. Learning is not accidental. Learning is a wonderful process, and that's what we're watching happening here. 
Exactly. Now, I, another thing that parents will ask me often, Arthur, is like, I know it's been like a few hours and I put my child on the toilet and, and I'm reading them a long book. In fact, I've read this in a lot of other people's ideas about, you know, having a child learn to use the toilet. And I have to tell you, I have, I have about 10,000 anecdotes about potty <laughs> training because I've done it so long. But this is one of my favorites. A mother said to me, my little girl, absolutely not ready. I sat her on the toilet for 30 minutes. I read her five books and, <laughs> and she, nothing came out of her. And then we got up, put her underpants on, two minutes later, wet pants. So she clearly doesn't get it. And I said, I'm going to say it's exactly the opposite. I'd say this child has better control than any adult I know. I said, I challenge you to sit on the toilet for 30 minutes and not go. She was holding it purposefully because I said to her, what if she had gone in the first five minutes? What would you have done? She said, well, we would have gotten up in the potty and I would have taken care of the baby or, you know, made dinner. This child had you right where she wanted you for a full half an hour. Two minutes later, she got you right back involved because she had wet pants. And she really thought about this. So I'm not a big fan of, I think, of reading a story. I don't care. The child didn't give the child war and peace to read by themselves. Children do like to sit on the potty and look at books like grownups do. But your job is not to entertain your child while they're sitting on the toilet. Well, th this bit of advice and the others in this section of the podcast all fall under this theme that you can always ask yourself, parents, is what you're doing helping your child get on their own two feet or is it doing the work for the child? And reading to them is doing the work for them. So yeah, once again, it's a good idea not to do that. And one last thing before we get into some of the questions is the idea of praising your child. I see it on television. Whoa, we're having a potty party and confetti and balloons. And I think I said this in the first podcast, your kid did not just win the Nobel Prize. They <laughs> used the toilet. So praise needs to be kept in a way that lets the child feel good about it, as opposed to doing something that makes mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa feel good about it. So instead of, oh, mommy's so proud, let's let's go and let's go bake cookies or I'll have ice cream as though that's a reward for doing that. Instead, if you could say high five, oh, you listen to your body and you knew just what to do. You got it in the potty. Wow. What a feeling. Parents say, what about stickers? And we talked about the food rewards last week, that it isn't a great connection. What I say to parents, if your child's really in love with stickers, put a little chart there, but let the child put the stickers there when they feel like they've really done something to get it. And that means that, that a child may put up 10 stickers at once, but is this really about the stickers? It's not. It's about that child feeling empowered and really good. I made this decision and I'm really feeling like a big kid now. Arthur, you said before that once they master the toilet, they start to master other things. That is very, very true. I can't tell you how many times a parent has come to me and said, now that he's using the toilet, suddenly he wants to ride his tricycle. Suddenly he's dressing and undressing himself. The child now feels like they've moved into a different place in, in the family and in their lives. And, you know, when you celebrate learning, we don't usually go out for ice cream when someone learns, you know, how far the sun is from the earth. You know, if you, <laughs> if you, if you learn something, the excitement comes from the learning and usually say, that's really interesting or how wonderful that you learned that. And I just love how you framed the praising. It's not pride. It's a uh, sharing with the child that you as the grown up saw that they gained a skill. I loved how you put it. You listened to your body. 
you did just what we do as grownups and uh, you achieve that. So you're talking specifically about what they learned, just right. like later in life when they learn something, you know, a little more prosaic, like four times four, 16, that's pretty neat. You know what four times four is. You don't go out and get a special meal for them every time they learn something. And more to the point, the praise is crafted according to what they actually learned. Right. It's very specific. Parents will often say to me, I mean, I just let them just like decide on their own. I said, besides those few times where it makes sense, you know, you're, you see that pre PP dance, you're going to the park, say, Oh, come on. Um, we're going to the park. Let's try to use the potty. But the parent needs to know that if the child says no, if they don't back down, that's the beginning of the power struggle, Arthur. That's when those power struggles happen because the child has all the cards because you can drag that kid to the potty, but you really can't make them pee unless they're ready and they're willing. So that's probably one of the hardest parts of this, even even in a sense harder than the cleanup, is just letting the child figure out when they do it in their pants, they've got a consequence. And when they do it in the potty, how good they feel about themselves. So one of the um, common themes that people hear in all our podcasts around resolving conflicts like this, eating, sleeping, whatever, is that the, the key moment, funny enough, is always a quiet moment when the parent does nothing. And mm-hmm. that's in that space the child actually picks up the baton and does their new skill. So this is that moment in toilet mastery when you left it to the child and, and, and you're quiet for a moment and that gives the child that space. Absolutely. And I think we have time for at least a few questions. Arthur, here's a question. And we've actually sort of answered this already. The process is not working for my child because he doesn't mind cleaning up. In fact, he likes it. He likes to clean up. And one of the things that we can tell parents is that it's not a problem because the fact that he likes it, is neutral, monitor, hates it, is completely inconsequential because this is not a punishment. This is a consequence. And I can guarantee you that eventually, even the child who doesn't mind the soapy water and cleaning up is going to think, oh, this is getting a little boring and I, I really want to go back and play. <laughs> so don't worry about that. You, you remain neutral. And one thing will help parents be neutral in this instance is knowing if every time their child poops and pees in their pants, they go to the bathroom, they clean themselves up, they change the underpants, they put the stuff that's in their pants in the toilet. Well, then they have toilet mastery. It's really their question whether they want to get rid of their poop and pee that way or in the toilet, but they've achieved it. So you, you've succeeded even if they're not using the toilet at that point. They will, as you say, but the main point is they've learned how to take care of themselves, which is really what yeah. this is all about. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I'm really glad you brought that point up. Oh, here's another one. And this is actually, even though this is from a specific parent, I get this a lot. I don't think my child is ready, even though he's over three, because he can sit in a wet or poopy diaper for hours and never even say anything. So I don't think he understands what he has to do. Arthur, what would you say to that? I have never met a child over even age two, certainly age three, who didn't know what a toilet was about. They they see their parents using it. They know what it is. So what we're seeing is a strategy on the part of child is a very common thing. They're looking for ways out of this. So again, the struggle is, will they agree to learn how to clean up and do the cleanup? So one way around not doing the cleanup is just to poop in your pants and let it sit there. If they do that, you're not cleaning up. Another thing that we'll talk about in a a future podcast on this issue is to decide they'll never poop again. 
So these are all ways that kids try to get around this expectation. But that's fine. You can help them a little bit. You could just point out the reality in this particular instance. Oh, you wet your pants? You pooped in your pants? What's that funny smell? Is there some wet there? You know what that means? Time for you to go clean it up. You're absolutely right. A typically developing child, they're going to know exactly what the toilet is for. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, this next question is sort of similar to the first one, or it goes in the same vein. Every time I show my child his new underpants, he cries and tells me he's not ready. But he's almost three and a half. And in his daycare, he won't be able to go up to the next classroom if he is still in diapers. And this, I think, has to do a little, it's similar to the child who's just sitting in his poop and pee. They really want to avoid it. And I think that what parents are hearing is only half of the equation. They're hearing the worry part. This child is bright enough to know, if I'm giving up my diapers, I'm losing the interaction with mommy and daddy and the teacher who wipes my little behind and changes my diaper. And they they just are not ready to give that up. But there is a part of the child, every typically developing child is going to have an urge to want to be big and to do like what the big kids do. So it's really one of the things that you can help that child over this roadblock, you might say, by telling him something like, I hear that you don't think you're quite ready to wear big boy pants, but you know something, mommy and daddy and your teacher, we all know that you're ready now. We're going to help you. And then you just go forward by just in a neutral way saying, yep, you can do this, even though I know you're worried. You want to take into account the child's fears and worry, but you want to help them move forward because otherwise you get stalled. That becomes a true roadblock and you just don't go beyond it. As you're talking, I'm recalling that uh, the best way to help resolve a worry is to respect it. If you tell a worry that I hear you and I understand you, the worry shrinks. And if you tell a worry that's ridiculous, the worry grows. So your approach helps resolve the worry, which is just beautiful. I think we have time for one more question. And this one is um, from a mom who writes, I think my child has accidents to get back at me for something she doesn't like. But she loves her big girl panties so much that when she has an accident, I put her back in the diapers and tell her she can have her panties back when she uses the potty. Is that okay? So we see this a lot. All these questions are great because, you know, you and I both know we see this all the time. Let's think about what the essential task is here. We're trying to help our children come to the concept that they can do their own cleanup and that we can expect them to do so. Anything you do to help them with that expectation helps that process. Anything you do that gets in the way of that expectation uh, stops that process. So anytime you put a child who's learning to use the toilet learning how to do the cleanup really into diapers, you're telling them, don't worry about the cleanup anymore. You're switching the whole setup. And now all of a sudden you're telling them, oh, you don't have to worry about the cleanup. We'll take care of it. Because that's what the diaper says. It says it in a newborn. It says it in a toddler. It says in anybody who's able to use the toilet. If I'm wearing a diaper, I don't have to worry about cleaning it up. So we think that's really a bad idea. And that's why we say don't launch this whole approach Don't launch the effort of helping your child learn how to master uses of a toilet and clean themselves up until you're ready to really go all the way. And that means not going back to diapers. We're talking about during the day. Nighttime has nothing to do with toilet mastery. We'll talk about nighttime another time. It's very confusing to the child. And I have seen that the parents who have the most elongated potty training or potty mastery process 
Mm-hmm. Are the parents that go from underwear to diapers to pull-ups to underwear, the child never really knows what their ex- what the expectation is. In fact, they know that the expectations are in conflict. Right. You put a diaper on someone, you're saying to them, I expect you to poop in that and for me to right. clean it. Right. You put someone in underpants, you're saying, I expect that you'll know when you have to pee or poop and go to the toilet. Or if you do put it in your underpants, you'll clean it up. Very different expectations. You don't want to confuse them. Very. That's well, well said. Thank you. And I have to tell you, this topic takes up a lot of time and we're at the end of the second podcast. But in our next podcast on Toilet Mastery, we're going to discuss things like children who won't poop in the potty, who become constipated, concerns around daycare and taking your child out when they're in the midst of the process, and other specific challenges that parents might encounter as they begin this process with their child. I'm excited about it. These are great topics that I think really help people. So thank you all for listening to Parent Talk once again. Thank you again, Susan. Great talking with you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Arthur. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Parent Talk podcast. You can find back episodes and send us your parenting questions at parenttalkpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our founding sponsor, Naturepedic, at naturepedic.com.